one of the things I'm trying to do, and uh, it's just, it, it, I'd love to tell you that I always try to do it, but it's taken on a bit more emphasis for me uh, lately, and that's to be more responsive to opportunities that come along that I wasn't expecting. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about the guy standing on the street corner, and actually I kind of expect that now. Um, but you know, that, that's not what I'm talking about. That's a, a different, you know, a different um, sermon than this one. Uh, I, I'm thinking more about opportunities to help people, opportunities to share the love of Christ, uh, you know, and, and as, as that goes along. Um, earlier this week, somebody I know had posted something on Facebook uh, about helping a client of theirs with Christmas stuff. And I, as I read that, I thought, boy, you know, that would be, you know, maybe that's something I could do. Maybe that's something I could help with. Uh, and it doesn't take much to distract me. Um, now, I don't know how many people saw the post. I know it was, I know it was more than, than just myself. Um, and I thought about it and uh, was quickly distracted and forgot about it until I saw another post the next day uh, where she thanked uh, uh, this person, other person for stepping up and helping and then i was irritated with myself and i was i was irritated because i didn't you know respond to um you know what what is what what was an opportunity there um so then on thursday morning i saw another friend post about needing something for a family he knew about um and again i thought about it and i knew i could help uh, you know, they said, can anybody help with, you know, this particular item? And I, I saw it, and I know I could help, and I thought, uh, you yeah. know, so I, I just immediately typed yes in there, you know, that, I, that I'd be able to help. And we were able to connect, we were able to get together, and uh, it was kind of a neat thing. It's a practical expression of Christ's love, um, you know, to a family, really, I, I don't know, and I haven't met. I just know this friend who was who was helping and uh, able to come alongside and, and, and maybe um, help out a little bit more. Now, I know I feel better when I respond to the opportunities uh, than when I don't respond. Now, just so, you know, one of the problems that comes along when I say something like this then is that everybody, that some people begin to respond to every single opportunity that they think is there. I also have to say no to some opportunities so that I can say yes to other ones. I mean, that's part of where discernment comes in. That's part of where uh, trying to understand and follow the Lord's leading, which is much easier looking back on it than it is looking forward sometimes. Uh, but, you know, that, that, that spirit, you know, as God... Uh, works within. Well, today what we're going to do, we're going to look at a group that received a, a very short post, or maybe it was a long post, actually, I don't know, but I, I think a lot of people saw it, but they were the ones who responded, and that's what we're going to look at. Let's pray, and we'll look at it. Father, thank you for the way in which people have responded to you, the way in which people have responded to be able to share with me uh, the reality of who Christ is and what that's done, and I thank you for the opportunities you give us. We really need discernment in them, but what we need also sometimes is just that good kick in the pants to get up and do something when you lay it there before us. Uh, so help us to follow you and to understand your leading a little bit more clearly and to be able to share in real ways the love of Christ, verbally as well as tangibly, however it is that you put it before us, Lord. We need that discernment, but we need that, um, that, that little shove, that motivation. 
Uh, maybe this will be part of it today. Use your word to transform and empower your people to be more your people, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. Thanks, it seems to be working now. Matthew chapter 2, page 886 in the Pew Bible. The group we're looking at is the wise men as they saw the star that God posted in the sky. Uh, and he put it up there announcing Jesus' birth. Um, you know, seeing as it was a star in the sky, I'm assuming other people saw it besides the wise men. That's just a guess on my part, but I think it's a uh, fairly safe assumption to be able to make there. And while others may have had the opportunity, really the wise men are the ones who actually responded. Matthew chapter 2, we're going to begin with verse 1. Pause a few times as we go along through there, so follow along as you have it and then keep your Bible open. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born King of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Now we're going to pause there and, and just look at a few things here in these verses for a minute. Um, you know, again, there is surprisingly little detail about the birth of Jesus. Uh, Matthew simply states that he was born. And even in the verses just preceding this, just pretty much simply states that he was born. Now notice it says here that he was born in the days of King Herod. Herod was a family name. You know, there were other King Herods, and there were other King Herods even mentioned in the Bible. Uh, you know, it's like Queen What's-Her-Face over there. I can't remember their family name. Uh, maybe you can. Just, you know, write it down in your hand, and you can tell me later, as I really don't care. Uh, but, you know, it's a family name, and so Herod was a family name here. Uh, you know, and, and that's what I was... Now, this Herod that it's talking about here happens to be Herod the Great, who was appointed by the Roman Senate in 40 B.C., now, it took him a few years to be able to consolidate control, so it really wasn't until about 37 B.C. that he consolidated control there and was able to, uh, you know, to do things uh, there. Now, he was paranoid, as most rulers were there, about losing power, about uh, things, about, about uprisings coming, and then Rome would deliver them. Any of these appointed rulers, you know, they, they had to be concerned about that because they really ruled under the authority of Rome. That's what they were doing. And they were removed if they didn't keep things in order. Uh, that's why you see with when Jesus was arrested, one of the things they do, they bring up about him on those charges is that, you know, he, he claimed to be a king, you see, in rival to. Uh, so that was one of the concerns. And that's, you know, Pontius Pilate was concerned about that. And that certainly was part of what played into his decisions. But here... You know, with this, with Herod the Great, uh, Herod the Great was a bit of a psychotic jerk. That's a theological term. Um, he, you know, he, I wasn't quite sure how to put it, so that was how I put it. Uh, when he was inaugurated as king, when, when you know, that, that happened, uh, he invited all of his family's enemies to a festival uh, as a, a show of peace. And then as they all showed up to this festival in, in you know, a theory reaching out in peace, uh, he had them all ambushed and murdered. And a, a few years later, then, after um, things were rolling, uh, he thought his wife was conspiring against him. So he had his wife killed. And just to make sure that uh, any plans that his wife may have had weren't going to come to fruition, he also had his mother-in-law killed 
insert your own mother-in-law joke there. I'm not going to. Uh, he also had his mother-in-law killed, and then uh, he had his uh, brother-in-law killed also to make sure. Well, then a few years later, fearing once again that people were conspiring against him, he had three of his sons killed so that he wouldn't uh, lose power. Now, um, the Emperor Augustus is credited with saying uh, that, you know, it would be better to be one of Herod's sows than one of his sons. Um, you know, I also read that he would dress as a commoner and he would go out among the people to hear what people were saying about him. And if he didn't like it, then he would send his folks to go and off those people, you know, and they, they would be taken care of. Um, when he was on his deathbed, he ordered that dozens of other noblemen would also be killed when he died because uh, he was concerned that, imagine that, that the people would not mourn his passing, but he wanted, he wanted great mourning to happen when he died, so he had arranged to have you know, many other noblemen killed upon his death. Now, uh, I, I read that that did not take place. You know, um, cooler heads prevailed. Uh, you know, and, and you know, so that that actually didn't happen, but that was his plan. And it's while this Herod was ruling, while he was the one ruling, it says wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem. Now that's really what you want to do is unexpectedly arrive, you know, in the psychotic king's kingdom. Uh, looking for another king and not that particular one. It's like getting off of the wrong exit on the south side of Chicago. Now, uh, you know, I, I grew up on the south side of Chicago, you know, so, but you, there are some exits you just don't want to get off on. It's just a little uncomfortable. Uh, here, so, uh, you know, these guys, you know, show up there in this uh, rather um, uh, rough situation and, and setting. And they're looking for this other king. Now, they're described here as wise men. Some of the translations say magi. The word actually means sorcerer or magician. It's the same word that's used in Acts chapter 13, uh, verse 6, when it says, you know, that when they had gone, uh, the, when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came acro across a sorcerer, same word. Uh, you know, Jewish false prophet named Bar Jesus. You know, there's the same word. Uh, now, but th that that term was also used, uh, you know, in a little bit broader context. It was a title that was given by Babylonians, the Chaldeans, you know, and the Medes, the Persians, and others. It was given to wise men, to teachers, uh, to to uh, physicians, to astrologers, seers, interpreters of dreams, things like that. They, you know, so when it talks about wise men, this is who it's talking about. Now, you know, if these guys were probably some type of astrologers there. Uh, and now if this upsets you, just remember that God has used pagan kings before this. Uh, he had used pagan kings, you know, and other sinners really to carry out uh, his, his plan before. Um, you know, and, and now that's not an excuse, you know, that, that's not an excuse at all for us to be involved in sin. Rather, what I see here is a testimony to the power, might, and wisdom of God 
that he can still carry out his good plan in a world that is evil and needs his presence, a world that needs his power, a world that needs forgiveness. And he can still carry that out in spite of, and sometimes even through, these evil rulers. Because remember, it was through the evil decisions of rulers that Jesus went to the cross and died for our sin. God has used you know, evil rulers before, and what they intended for evil, we looked at this last week, you know, God intended for good. So, you know, these guys, probably astrologers of some sort, at least they paid attention to the stars. I mean, that's obvious. They paid, they said, we saw this star. They paid attention to the stars, and they saw this star, which they felt indicated uh, that a new king was born. Um, you know, and it, you know, there, there it is, right there for them. You know, they saw the star, felt it was a sign of a new Jewish king, so they came looking for him. They didn't just see it and say, "Hey, you know, there's." A, did you see that star? That's probably a new king. They came looking for him. They, they did something about it. They responded. Now, you know, for us, when you think about it, you know, if you want abiding peace, respond to God's prompting. You know, respond to God's prompting. If you want to find abiding peace, now it probably won't be a star in the sky. I feel pretty confident in telling you it's not going to be a star in the sky, but I also don't want to be arrogant enough to say that. Uh, But I do feel, you know, it's probably not going to be uh, a star in the sky. Maybe it will be somebody's post online. Maybe it'll be as you're talking with somebody and you're having a conversation with them that God just kind of taps you a little bit. You know, maybe it's something they say that that touches you. Uh, maybe God will simply prompt you to reach out. You know, to to dig deeper, to draw closer to Him. Really, here's what the wise men are doing. They they didn't real well. They didn't realize what king it was they were drawing closer to but what they wanted to do was go and meet this king you see they wanted to to get in there they're searching for this new king respond to god's prompting now a side note for you here that's get your beliefs from the bible you see get your beliefs from the bible when i'm talking about responding to god's prompting get your beliefs from from the Bible, um, it was kind of I, I found this interesting, you know. But um, the way the service came together, uh, um, in, uh, don't get your don't get your theology from songs. Now you'll notice here, the Bible doesn't say how many wise men came to see Jesus. You know, we sing, "We three kings of Orient are riding on a rubber cigar." Well, the other version we sing. We sing the other version. Uh, and so, so, you know, here, now we say that because there were three gifts. But we don't, you know, there's three gifts listed there. We don't know how many. It could be, it could be there were 12 kings and, you know, they divided it up. And, you know, four of them brought myrrh, four of them brought frankincense, and four of them brought common sense. But the, uh, you know, the, the, the whole thing here is, uh, you know, don't get, your, don't get your theology from songs. Too many people do that. And I'm not just talking about Christmas stuff. I'm talking about other stuff too. You know, get it from the Bible. 
It was probably a large group that came. It was more than just probably these three guys. There were probably even more than three wise men or three magi. And they would have had a, a bit of an entourage with them, and not only helpers and, and uh, servants, but they probably even had some family members with them. So, you know, there's a large group that goes there. The group was large enough. Notice what it says. It was large enough. They attracted Herod's attention as they searched for he who was born king of the Jews. It wasn't just one or two guys or three guys. It was a larger group. They attack, they attract attention. And somebody coming, uh, you know, as a rival king would get Herod's attention, but not in a good way. Pick up again, verse 4. So he, being Herod, assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, uh, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. Now just a few thoughts on those verses before we continue on. Um, Notice Herod knows who to call to get the information. I mean, did you see? He knew who to call to get the information about the new king of the Jews. It says, so he assembled the chief priests and the scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. The Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ. He was very familiar with this. Now, not only should the chief priests and the scribes know, but they did know. You know, they, they did know what God told them about the coming Messiah. The, the one that, now, they expected him to come as a ruling king. So here comes these wise men and uh, asking about this new king. Herod calls their Jewish leaders, the, the, you know, the, the uh, chief priests and the scribes, and asks them about that. They connected that right there. He asked them, Herod connected it about the Messiah. And he asked them, they connected, and they knew the scripture, and they quote to him Micah 5 too. You know, they, they quote that there for Herod. And they were confident that this would happen. Because God said it through his prophet. Notice that. He says, in Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what is written by the prophet. They knew that you know, God had said this, that the prophet had said this, and they knew that God could be trusted, and they knew that what God said would happen. So this is what they tell him in Bethlehem and Judea, because this is what was written by the prophet. Now, what I find troubling here is they knew what God said, but it didn't seem to have any effect on their living. It didn't seem to have any effect on their choices. What they did is they told Herod what he wanted to know. We're told all Jerusalem was aware of the visit of the wise men. Yet we have absolutely no indication here that the chief priests or the scribes went to Bethlehem to look for the Messiah. It's not that it was that far of a trip for them. It was between five to seven miles from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. You know, it, it was it was a, a short journey, really, for them. It, it says all Jerusalem, they and all Jerusalem were deeply disturbed by the news. It says that the wise men brought of looking for this Jewish king. They knew that the Messiah would be born, yet they didn't go and look for him. 
They didn't go and look for him at all. In practical reality, they ignored what God said. They knew what he said, took no action. Practically, they are ignoring, in practicality, they are ignoring what God said. Now, if you want to find the biting peace, don't ignore what God says. Don't ignore what he says. You know, my goodness, we have pagan astrologers here showing more interest in what God was doing than those who were supposed to be God's people. You know, those who were supposed to be God's people, the chief priests and the scribes, and we have pagan astrologers showing more interest in that. Even Herod, you know, even Herod, but for very wrong reasons, you know, for really foul motivation, he seems to show more interest in it than in finding Jesus than the chief priests and the scribes did. We have no indication at all that they acted on what they knew. Don't ignore what God says. Act on it. Live by it. Well, Herod meets with the wise men secretly, then it says, on the sly there. Gets a little more information about them, about what, when they saw the star. And then he sends them back to Bethlehem to search for the baby and report back, saying that he wanted to worship the Messiah. Pick up again with verse 9. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was. The star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. So God uses this star to guide them. Now, some people feel the need to uh, try and look and you know and look back. You know, we can chart how stars go and rotate, how planets line up, and you know how comets are are circling. You know, we we've got enough scientific knowledge to be able to follow and uh, that and figure some of that out. And some people, you know, feel the need to try to tie this star into a comet or some other celestial event. Maybe you have a study Bible, and it, maybe it has a note in there that says, you know, um, Jupiter and Mars and lined up, maybe that's the age of Aquarius. Uh, or, or the, uh, uh, you know, or maybe it says that, you know, the, the Hale-Bopp comet was coming through, or something like that. But um, now certainly it could have been something like that. I mean, certainly it could have been something like that. But one thing that's very, very clear here, is it was a miraculous working of God to direct them to find Christ. A miraculous working of God to direct them to find Christ. I have no problem at all believing in miracles. You say, well, that's not very scientific. No, it is. You see, when science can't explain something, you have the choice of of either making up an answer, which we see a lot of, well, you have the choice of believing what God says. That he miraculously used the star to guide these guys to where it was. I have never seen, a, I have never really felt that a star has, has guided me to a spot where, you know, it's right there. Now, they've used stars to, you know, try and, well, not try. They do and can use stars to direct them as they're sailing at night and things like that. 
Uh, but it's not like it's going along and it's stopping and it's, that's the spot, you know. I mean, it's a, a miraculous work of God here to lead the wise men to where Jesus was. Uh, and, and that's what we see going on here. And so now, if you want abiding peace, don't try to explain away God's clear working in your life. Don't try to explain it away. You know, when God is working, don't, don't try to make up other things. Now, God, God may lead you in a, in a way very different than he leads others. I've never been led by a star. You know, I, I, a, a donkey has never talked to me. Uh, you know, I, uh, but he's led me. But I will also tell you, his leading will never be against his word. See, you cannot, you cannot minimize the importance of God's word and knowing God's word and getting familiar with God's word. Because God will lead, and he may very well lead you in a way very different than other people, but he will never lead you in a way contrary to his word. You need to know that. It's not in your outline, but it's worth writing down and tattooing on the back of your hand or backwards on your forehead so you'd see it every time you look in the mirror. God will not lead you contrary to his word. See, he wasn't confused when he wrote his word. He wasn't confused about what's going on and what's going to happen. He wasn't confused about what's going to unfold in this world. You know, it wasn't that, you know, that something's going to come along later. And he said, well, that didn't work. Uh, you know, God, he knows what's happening. He knows what's going on. Uh, and, and it's right there for us. You know, the wise men here led to Bethlehem right in line with God's word. Now, just another little detail here to mess with you and your nativity sets at home. You know, um, the wise men did not see Jesus in the stable. So, you know, if you have your nativity set there, you know, some of you just can't get over that. But keep listening. If you have, you know, your nativity set set up that way and, and stuff, uh, take the wise men and put them across the room. Is they're still they're still on the journey there. You know, and they haven't made it yet. Um, you know, that, that's just... Notice, what, look at verse 11. Entering the house. Not the stable. Uh, the word, uh, that word uh, it can be translated as house. You know, entering the house. You know, this was at, at a time that was later than when the shepherds were there. You know, it, it, this was not the same night. Now, opinions vary as to, you know, some say, you know, that it was several months and some say, you know, it could have been as much as two years. The reason they say that is because notice it says that they saw Mary and the child. That's a word that's used to describe what we would say is a toddler. You know, like even up to two years old. So it's just very clear to us. In Scripture, the wise men weren't there. And that's just a little sidelight for you there to, you know, to, to um, you know. The, um, Joseph and Mary found lodging. They settled in for a while. I mean, you know, there, there's, it wasn't easy traveling. There were no epidurals then, so, you know, traveling after you had a baby would have been a little uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, the, so, uh, and the trip from the east would have taken several months. So here they are, you know, and it's interesting, though, when they saw Jesus, notice it says, that they fell to their knees and they worshipped him. It seems so spontaneous, so automatic here. 
a stark contrast, really, to the chief priests and the scribes who wouldn't even go, who wouldn't even travel to Bethlehem. You know, a, a very stark, even more pronounced contrast to Herod, who was plotting to kill Jesus even as an infant. And, and the wise men worshipped. I think when we clearly see Jesus, worship will happen. It will happen. We see it in here, you know, and we see it other places in the gospel, in all, you know, all of the gospels really. But in Mark chapter three, it says, "Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, those possessed fell down before him and cried out, 'You are the Son of God.'" In Mark chapter five, it says, "When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him." Luke chapter 8 says, When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said in a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus? You son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torment me. All three of those passages, all three of those passages we read there, are demons responding. And again, did a much better job than the scribes, or than the chief priests and the Pharisees did a much better job you know, than, than Herod was doing. Uh, but we also have in Luke chapter 8, the woman who was healed by touching the hem of his garment, it says, when the woman saw that she was discovered, she came trembling and fell down before him. And in the presence of all, declared the reason she had touched him and how she was instantly cured. But it will also happen when we stand before him in heaven. More than once, John and his apostle, you know, the apostle John, as he writes uh, in his uh, vision in, in the Revelation, you know, he said, uh, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. A little bit later, chapter 4, it says, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne. Worship the one who lives forever and ever. Cast their crowns before the throne and say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and because of your will they exist and were created. The very next chapter. When he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, of gold, a harp and gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, because you were slaughtered and you redeemed people for God by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they will reign on earth. Then I looked and heard a voice of many angels around the throne, and also of the living creatures and of the elders. Their numbers were with countless thousands, plus thousands of thousands. They said with a loud voice, The Lamb who was slaughtered is worthy to receive riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and the sea and everything that is in them saying, Blessing and honor and glory and dominion to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshipped. 
Revelation chapter 7. After this I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were robed in white, with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, the elders and the four living creatures, And they fell face down before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessed and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. When we clearly see Jesus, worship will happen. It will happen. Three gifts are mentioned, which is probably why some thought there were three wise men. Again, probably a much bigger group of travelers here. God knew Herod's heart. God knew Herod's plan to kill Jesus, and it was not his time. So he warned the wise men to return home another way, it says, and not to report to Herod. Not a good idea to disobey the king particularly a whack job like this guy. You know, you get a wacky little king in there. Um, Not a good idea not to obey him, but they chose to obey God rather than man. That's always a good plan. If you want abiding peace, obey God rather than man. I want to remind you, just as we did the other weeks, they weren't doing anything wrong. Mary wasn't doing anything wrong, but God redirected her. Joseph wasn't doing anything wrong. Joseph wasn't sinning, but God redirected him. The wise men weren't doing anything wrong. And returning to Herod, they wouldn't have been doing anything wrong, but God redirected them. You know, if you want abiding peace, obey God rather than man. Let's finish this up. Verse 13. Says after they were gone, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and escaped to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod's death, so that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled out of Egypt. I called my son. Once again, you see here, you know, God using and working through evil uh, people to bring about the fulfillment of his word. But can you imagine having the government hunting down and killing children? I mean, how, you know, how, how, how wicked is that? Um, we're real close in our society. But, uh, getting the news, getting this news would not have been a peaceful time. You know, getting, getting news that the government's out to kill your child. Not a, not, a, not a peaceful time. Until you realize God is working to lead you. You see, the situation didn't change. God was working to lead him, and there's no better place to be than in God's will. There is no better place to be than in his will. Following his word, following his will. And again, his will's not going to contradict his word. You know his word, you're going to know his will. Because abiding peace comes from following God. It comes from following God. Abiding peace overcomes threats. Abiding peace overcomes fears. Uh, The wise men followed what God told them. 
They defied the king. You know, there could be serious repercussions for them, you know, defying the king, particularly a paranoid king like they had here. And Joseph followed God and fled with his family to Egypt. It can be frightening to have to leave and start all over again, you know, even more so when your child's in danger. Uh, But if you, you know, if you don't follow God, your child is going to die. Joseph obeyed God and everything was fine for a time. Only for a time. Because about 33 years later, a different ruler would put Joseph's son to death on a cross. But again, that was God working to bring us peace. Abiding peace with God. Romans chapter 5 says, Therefore, since you have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by faith we have abiding peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ the one whose birth we celebrate the one whom we look to the one whom we remember the one whom we follow let's pray together Father, thank you for the peace that you give us. Thank you for the reality of life that comes only as we follow you. Uh, How foolish to think that we can find life outside of you. I pray that you would uh, guide us to understand you. Guide us deeper into your word. Help us to do what we can to follow you and to live for you. Help us to be those people that um, are diligent about pursuing you and coming to find you, and living in obedience to you. Thank you for your time to be able to celebrate and remember the birth, the gift of your Son. For our sin, to bring us peace. Help us to share that reality with others as we live it in ourselves, we pray. In his name, amen.